0: Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and from KOSU, you're listening to Songwriters and Tour Writers. On this episode is Skating Polys Kelly Mayo. Punk band Skating Polly has released a double LP titled Chaos County Line. With Oklahoma roots, the band is made up of siblings Kelly and Curtis Mayo and Peyton Big Horse. After five years since their last album, Kelly Mayo said that they wanted to
1: walk to the separate corner of the map on all of our influences for every track and see where, where, all, where all the songs could go.
0: One of their big inspirations, David Yao of Jesus Lizard, is even featured on a song. In this episode, hear Kelly talk about writing a double album and how after years of being in a band with their siblings, they're getting more honest with their lyrics.
1: My name is Kelly Mayo, and I'm in the band Skating Polly. I primarily play like a three-string bass with my own tuning that I made up. Sometimes I play guitar, sometimes I play keyboard. I used to play drums a little bit too, but not so much anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you guys have like um, an interesting uh, rotating system, it seemed like.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, The other members of your band, your sister and your brother, They will sometimes just switch off um, between guitar and drums depending on the song, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. At the end of the at the end of the set, Peyton goes back to drums because we used to be a two piece. So it used to be like either me or Peyton were basically always on drums because it was just the two of us. So it'd be one of us is on some stringed instrument, the other one's on drums, and we just sing.
0: (laughs) So it sounds like you have taken a step back from the drums.
1: Yeah. When Kurt joined and he had a special affinity for playing drums and I felt like both of them were very strong drummers and I felt like I was just, I don't know, I felt really comfortable being uh, like standing and being up at the front of the stage. And I also felt like it, it, it got a bit tedious to keep switching just for the sake of switching. If everyone can play the same parts and yeah, so I don't, I don't drum anymore. Sometimes I'll chime in with drum parts but i it's funny how if you don't use it you lose it like i'm not a very you know if i wanted to get good drums again i did i'd need a second to uh, <laughs> to practice for sure
0: i remember seeing you guys the last norm music fest where you also played um that documentary that uh henry mortensen made
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: what was it like just um getting to watch that documentary and kind of, you know, such a major portion of your life?
1: I've seen it a few times now. It's funny. It's it's like it's it's surreal. It's it's really special. I think it does a really good job kind of just giving you a very honest scoop of skating Polly. Like I feel like I've been the same person since I was a child. <laughs>
0: This is the worldwide premiere of probably one of our favorite bands around here. They're called Skating
1: Polly. Peyton and Kelly, 10 years old and 15 years old. Um, There are parts of it that make me a little bit self-conscious, I guess. But for the most part, it's just like, it feels like just a love letter to our band. I mean, it was so sweet of Henry to put all that time and all those memories into that with us. I mean, it started as... Him just following us on one tour, he was going to make a short tour documentary. And then we just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger opportunities. And he kept being like, well, I have to film that and I have to film that and I have to film that.
0: In that documentary, it showed you guys uh, from starting out to touring, like you said, um, and producing um, your records. And it showed a lot of difficulty you guys had. You had to switch production styles and producers before you guys felt satisfied on one of your projects. Uh, what was it about this time around with chaos county line what was it about working with brad wood that made you want to work with him again
1: yeah so i'm obsessed with liz Farrah's Exile in guyville it's one of the major reasons we wanted to work with brad in the first place um. basically whole approach to recording is that he doesn't like music that's too clever he doesn't like music that's too clean like he definitely appreciates beauty and 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 quality like he wants good performances and he he loves pretty sounds and stuff but he also really appreciates grit and ugliness and dirt his kind of motto is keeping the perfect amount of mistakes and easter eggs and there's this photographer who, whose whole thing is the angel of uh, of uncertainty. She prays to the angel of, of uncertainty, and I feel like, you know, and what she means by that is like every time she she makes a print, whenever it gets a little bit screwed up, it's it's so exciting because it's just kind of like the beauty of life. And I feel like that's kind of Brad's approach too. It's like as we go, the little things that were unplanned for, we before just throwing them out and shooting for some flawless robot take we listen back to it and you know it's like oh wow that was kind of a cool unexpected thing and we keep it if it if it's interesting if it's powerful
0: yeah it sounds like this style is kind of reflected in the title of the the album chaos county line
1: yeah um and and, and yeah exactly like the idea of chaos county line is like embracing um this wild frenetic uncontrollable aspects of life but also every song on the album is is very is very heavy and either tonally or lyrically and but also like every song on the record feels like really different from one another A the, the really wide range of influences and i i just kind of wanted to like walk to the separate corner of the map on all of our on all of our influences for every track and see where where all, where all the songs could go
0: was it a lot of like different um, musical influences that you're pulling from different artists
1: yeah absolutely um we we referenced the, the replacements a lot there were a couple tracks where we were like we went to kind of a replacements vibe what a
2: mess. All
1: of lcd sound system feelies new order I mean, it's kind of all over the map. Babes in Toyland, Jesus Lizard, and then, of course, David Yao from Jesus Lizard sings on Man Out There, one of the tracks. I feel like ooh, there's a song in it that, that really sounds kind of like Elliot Smith-ish. I wanted this a certain one of the songs to sound like I was listening to a lot of Alex G. And so I kind of took a couple cues from that. I kind of just trusted that if I, if I wanted to follow my inspiration from these bands to a further point than I usually do, that it would still sound like us at the end of the day. So there was nothing to be scared of. Like, let's just try new things and let's, let's just walk there. Let's just go there. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that, uh, David Yao, um, you said he's featured on one of the songs?
1: Yeah, yeah, he sings on Man Out There.
0: That's awesome. Uh, I saw Flipper when they came to Oklahoma City last fall, but uh, I think he was sick.
1: Yeah, he had just left the tour whenever they, they had that Oklahoma City show, and they they actually asked me, because I ended up singing with Flipper on that same tour just a, a few shows later. So I sing with Flipper and Yao, and that's actually how the whole thing came to be, is we had this song on the record that I wanted a little bit gnarlier, and it's funny, when we first wrote it, I was like, wouldn't it be so great if we could have, like, a scary, unhinged male vocalist on here as well? And I'd, I'd met Yao, and and I really like him, but I didn't know how much, you know, it's that's just a big ask. Do you want to sing on my record? But he was so down. I got to be in the room with him as we were tracking vocals and just he would just go into a different world. I mean, so unhinged, so bold, so fierce. I just think he's a genius. I've always been so heavily influenced by his vocal stylings, but just to see him like riff on stuff in the room like that was so fun. And after every take, like he'd be kind of like unsure, like, was that okay to you like that? But it's funny because in the moment he's so powerful and mean and gnarly, you know. <laughs> it was it was such a wild ride. Um, but yeah, he's on man out there. He really made that song and then in LA he's gonna be joining us on stage to sing it. We just started playing it for the first time on this tour. Played it twice. We're going to play it again tonight, and then we'll play it in L.A. with David Yao.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, this album is going to be a, a really big one. It's a double album. What kind of time span do these songs come from? Is it just like a bunch of songs that you guys have like piled up over the last five years?
1: Yeah, it's, the time span's kind of kind of weird because it's like for the first time ever, like instead of it just being like, oh, that's about 12, let's go make an album. We after I'd recovered from my my vocal stuff, like set a specific time frame. We were like, let's let's get the cheapest Airbnb we can find for a month, and let's go finish these songs and let's do a double album because it's been way too long. Like we need to have more than just a twelve track album. <laughs> that was one thing we were pretty sure about. So we had like forty song ideas, but song ideas can be anywhere ranging from like a song with two verses, a chorus, and a bridge, or, or just like a riff, or just a me just singing into my phone and, and but we listened to all of them and we wrote them all down and we played them for each other and and we just flushed out the ones we really connected with um so there are a couple songs that I, I do remember like writing the bulk of right after the Make It All show right after the last record like someone like a friend I pretty much I pretty much wrote that the same year the Make It All show came out um for the most part we then added, like, bass and, and the drums later, back of vocals. And then there's a song on it called Party House, which was actually the last song to join the record because we only had 17 that we took to Brad's. But Brad was like, I'd have a much easier time fighting for a double record if it was a solid and even 18. And 18 is the same amount of songs on Exile in Guyville. So we were like, well, heck yeah, we can do that. And he's like, but I don't think it should be heavy. Brad was like... um. Every song on this record's either heavy, so you should try to have a song that's more like swinging with like a campfire feel and just some levity. And I was like, what are we going to do? Because most of the song ideas, especially the songs that had come from the writing session at the Airbnb were so moody. So moody. (laughs) I mean, like, what are we going to do? And so then we started thinking about these songs that we wrote when we were much, much, much younger. And that's when it came to us to rewrite Party House, which is this song that we did when I was 11 years old. And we kept all the lyrics the same. I just, I changed the instrumental arrangement a little bit and then I had our whole family sing on it. dad, Peyton's mom, our grandma, our young cousin Bella, our good friend Sarah. It was just, it was really special and it did kind of give it this like, it's like the one one sweet, not heavy song of the record, but it still, for some reason, fits so well with the record. And it's the one song not recorded entirely by Brad Wood. I recorded it at our house instead.
0: the issue with your voice
1: i had not nodes but cysts so it was like inside the vocal cords instead of on top of and so they had to do surgery to remove it and um they ended up having to do two surgeries because i had one on each side and and so it was like about a year a year and a half of on and off vocal rest to different stages you know it was it was so incredibly lucky that it fell right on top of the pandemic instead of before or after. Um, but it was also, it was lonely and and weird. It was such a weird time to be trapped in your head, not able to talk to others, to be told not to talk to people and and to have to look at how much you talk and socialize with others as like, as like a bank account. And that's something I still have to do. I still have to like kind of think about how much talking I want to do, how much, how late can I really stay up? How what's going to be good for my voice? Like that's that's a weird thing to have to start accounting for. I worked with some really great vocal coaches who understood my style of music and worked with me to get to a place where I like you know, where I'm still performing these songs powerfully, but not in a way that's gonna damage me. And that was just really exciting. So I was scared that it was gonna be like, well, you can't play any of these, you know? And that's the first kind of musical lessons I've ever had. Um, but it was so beneficial to me. I was always scared that if I had like musical lessons, then I'd become like tamed or like lame and not, not as as free or not as wild or something but it did not happen at all. It just, it, it felt like it just gave me extra tools in the tool belt. I passed them along to Peyton and she started doing my vocal with me. I'm so happy with our vocal takes on this record. There are things that I do on this record and that Peyton does that (laughs) I'm just like, wow, we sound like real singers, (laughs) you know? Like it's just, it's just crazy. Like her voice has always been one of my favorite voices. I don't think there's anyone else that sounds like her on the planet. She really, really stepped up her songwriting and her lyrics on this record. There are just, there are so many Peyton moments that like break my heart. They're so good. Curtis even sings a couple lines on the record. He's, he's doing, he does some backup vocals on Masquerade. And then he's, he's one of the, he sings one of the verses on Party House.
0: So when did you guys do the, like the um Airbnb um writing uh, session, I guess?
1: That was in 2021. And it was, it was October of 2021. And we were set to go into the studio in November. And we did go into the studio in November of 2021. But then Brad had a, a, a death in his family. And so we had to, we had to cut the recording time short, but then by the time Brad was able to record again, we were, we were set to go on tour and it was great that we, we were able to get that tour in first because when we came back from it, it was like, we just had so much power. It was like, okay, we're ready to go. It, It was scary, honestly, going into the studio at first. Like I had faith in the songs, but just as a unit, the three of us, it had been so long since we'd regularly played music together. Cause during the pandemic, it was like the first time where we all lived away from each other. And it, it was just wild. So even though I knew the songs were really good, it was like, we didn't have a lot of confidence as a unit. And then we got to go on tour and then we came back after that tour and it all started to click again.
0: What is um, your guys's uh, writing process together? Um, are you guys just, bringing in your own skeletons and then when you get together as a band um just taking them apart and having conversations
1: yeah uh so most of the time like i'd say 85 percent of the time whoever's doing lead vocals brought in the song with melody and if not the same lyrics at least like the same feeling behind the lyrics and then we all sit down and we we usually bang out song structure before we bang out lyrics. And then when we do bang out lyrics, it gets really intense. (laughs) Cause we're like, wait, to me, this means this. And if you're trying to say this and this and this, and you don't have to tell me exactly what this means, but the picture it's painting for me is this. Would it make more sense to say this? And, but we've gotten a lot more open, like, no, this is a direct reference to that time that this, this, this happened. And It's funny, when we first started kind of going through each other's lyrics, we'd be like, um, I don't know. I just like this word more. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it, but I like this word more. And now it's like, no, you don't understand. On February 13th, when that (laughs) car sped past me on the corner of J Street, and you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, so specific. And then we go, well, like, what's it mean to everybody else? And what's it... And I don't know, we just kind of, we we try to challenge each other a bit. Um, I I do most of the layers and harmonies in the band. I do, like, song structure. Like, I usually kind of decide on the final structure of the songs. And then also, like, um, yeah, just like the instrumentation, the bass and guitar lines and any keyboards or whatever. There's some keyboards on this record and organ. Kurt generally writes his drum parts so like like he's got a really good ear so usually he can just come up with them he can sense the song really fast but sometimes me and Peyton will have specific notes and then the thing is we can all play each other's instruments so if I have you know an idea of what I want on bass or guitar a lot of times Curtis and Peyton can elaborate on that and we just we just try to all hear each other out and explore every avenue sometimes it can take a while
0: yeah, and this is this is only the second album now that Curtis has uh, been a part of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: What do you think makes this album um really different from uh the previous ones?
1: I think I just think we're more comfortable as songwriters. I think we're more comfortable like 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 taking those risks and 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 being inspired by things, doing things on Skating poly songs that we've never done. Like it it it, it felt Comfortable, but then also like the lyrics like the lyrics were kind of uncomfortable and really hard to write and we say that with every record like i think it get the lyrics get a little bit more to the surface where where they're just there's less metaphor and symbolism and it's it's a little bit more literal and direct this record very much so i mean the song girls night is there's not a lot in that scene that I paint that didn't really happen. It's a very literal song. It's a girl's night.
2: It's a girl's night with every girl I kind of like.
1: And I think I used to feel like I had to kind of hide the direct inspiration of a song, I had to hide it under layers of um, symbolism or poetry or whatever just because. I didn't want anyone else's opinion on how I felt about things. Like if I was too specific about what thing happened to me and how that thing made me feel, I was scared it would open me up for critique. And now I'm just like, no, this is who I am. And this is the record we're making. We tackle a lot of heavy things on this record, but it's almost like the central theme of the record is that, like, me and Peyton and Curtis helped each other get through it all together.
0: It's interesting to hear you say that, uh, especially when uh, you said you guys were kind of living apart and this was kind of the first time you guys were that separated, it sounded like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but before that, you know, it was like, we're just so used to like being each other's best friends, being siblings and being each other's like coworkers, employees, you know what I mean? Like it's, and so it was weird how entangled our life was. So to kind of have this break from each other and then come back to each other, it's, it's just interesting how our relationship evolves and how that always does come out in the songwriting. I really think you can always kind of feel, I don't know, this bond we have each for each other and like lit, we talk about it in the lyrics we talk, we, we, that's, it's like something we write about kind of this, the safety net of each other and the safety net of music that we have. It's always been this, this huge blessing in my life.
0: Are there any other, um, experiences or stories behind the songs that you'd like to share? Um, since you said they, they're so, um, directly tied to uh, your life now,
1: I mean, I don't know. I, it's, it's funny, like, always. It's funny, like, talking about an album as opposed to, like, talking track by track, you know. Tiger at the Drugstore is a really important one to me. That was a song where Peyton had kind of a sketch of it. But the one part that we took from Peyton's original idea from that song was the line... And that line resonated with me so hard. And so I, I like went through my journals and I found all this old poetry and we also wrote some new lines for it. And we, we decided to make it about like coping mechanisms because during the pandemic, each of us had dealt with our own unhealthy coping mechanisms.
2: Sipping.
1: I love the way me and Peyton's vocals switch off, and then it has horns by um, this, this guy Danny T. Levin, who's a legend. He's played on Rylo Kiley, he's played on Regina Spector, and incredibly talented. And when I heard those horns on that song for the first time, it just felt so Beatles. It really brought the whole song together. whether it was like food or you know television addiction or sex or relationships or drugs or alcohol like we all had it you know these like these things that we would do to avoid discomfort and to avoid pain instead of like actually getting through things you know and feeling things so that's what Tiger at the Drugstore is about and that song's really special to me Masquerade's about kind of this fear of, like, people. I love, like, turning away from art and weirdness to, like, lead a life of normalcy instead. To me, that's, like, the most depressing thing is to go, like, oh, I'm too old for art and for the bizarre. I need... I need to grow up now. Like, to me, that's the saddest thing. Um, and just being really scared that, like, that, that's something expected because I'm never going to be able to do that.
2: got <laughs> masquerade.
1: All the Choices, gosh, Peyton's lyrics on that song, Kill Me, they're so good. I could feel my heart beating
2: right down to my toes. I wanted to believe it till it got a
1: little... I think Peyton would probably describe it as like a song about (laughs) imposter syndrome a little bit, sure, and I'm just overwhelmed by the freedom of being an adult, the choices of every day or whatever. (laughs) and you're like, wait, am I... But aren't I supposed to have it figured out yet? Like, when can I stop making choices? When do I just have a groove, you know? Like, when is it just all sorted out for me?
0: you guys have um created this label for your music ugly pop and i'm just curious what you're feeling towards that term is now like with this album do you think the term ugly pop has changed in your head
1: i think it's still very on point i think it still really fits i think every song has like the the elements that make something ugly pop which is like like, the point of the song is to just write a well-crafted song, but then the ugliness is all the weirdness and darkness and, and dirt and grime and imperfection, and I think that's very real on every track. I, I, think, I think this album is a really good embodiment of ugly pop and, and all the kind of leaps and, and and new directions it went and is also, I think, very ugly pop to just to just try things, you know? I think that's going to be something I always connect with.
2: I drove an hour and a half Two hours back I even got a sunburn for them.
0: You can find out more about Skating Polly and the full list of songs that were featured in this episode at KOSU.org <laughs> Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU in the service of Oklahoma State University Our editor is Ryan McRoy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find songwriters and tour writers wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa.